It started out with just a letter printed in the British Weekly. It went like this. Dear Sir, I have been attending church for quite, quite regularly for 30 years now. To my consternation, I discovered that I cannot remember a single sermon. I wonder if a minister's time might be more profitably spent on something else. Sincerely, dot, dot, dot. So for weeks, this huge barrage of editorials, people were writing in and, and, and trying to defend the church, trying to agree with this man, until one came in at the very end. It went like this. Dear sir, I have been married for 30 years. During that time, I have eaten 32,580 meals, mostly of my wife's cooking. Suddenly, I discovered that I cannot remember the menu of a single meal. And yet, I have received nourishment from every single one of them. I have the distinct impression that without them, I would have starved to death long ago. Sincerely, dot, dot, dot. Food plays an important part in our lives, doesn't it? And I'm 60 years old now. I may not look it. I may look 80, but, uh, but I am 60, and, and I cannot begin to count the number of sandwiches I've had from grade school sack lunches all the way up to the hoagies that we eat in our board meetings on Monday nights. It's just innumerable. I, I wouldn't be able to count them. So it's played such an important part. In fact, one insurance guy who had a little bit too much time on his hand, he compiled some interesting statistics. It, he states that if you have reached the age of 70, and pursued an average American existence, you have consumed during your lifetime 150 head of cattle, 26 sheep, 310 swine or pigs, 225 lamb, 2,400 chickens, 26 acres of grain, and 50 acres of fruit and vegetables. Are you hungry? That's a lot of... That's a lot of food that we consume during our, that time. But today as we begin, this is going to be the first of seven messages dealing with the I am's of the, of the New Testament that Jesus claimed in, in John. Last week, Pastor Tim, what did he do? He packed the suitcase, loaded the car for us with the I am. Before Abraham was, I am. So he took some time and explained what that was to set the groundwork for where we're going over these next seven weeks. And it was, it was very interesting what he said. I'm going to refer to that in, in just a few minutes. But grab your Bibles. I'm not going to have any slides up here very often because we're going to pretty much stay in, in one portion of Scripture. That's John chapter 6. So grab your Bibles, open up to John chapter 6. I want to read two verses to start with, and then we're going to read a little bit more in just a few minutes. John chapter 6, verses 35 and 36. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. So we have to get a little context here of what's going on. If you look farther up in that chapter, at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus is feeding uh, 5,000 people with only five loaves and of, and loaves of bread and two fish. After which, he sent the people away, 
he sent the disciples in the boat over to Capernaum, and he, he went up in the mountain to pray by himself to his father. While he was up there, storm broke out over the Sea of Galilee, such a bad storm that the disciples, even the fishermen, were afraid for their lives. Jesus comes walking on the water to them, gets in the boat, and, the calm, and it calms the storm. And they land in Capernaum. The next morning, the people who Jesus had fed the night before, they're looking around. They saw Jesus go up into the mountains, and they expect him to be down there. The same number of boats are there. And they notice that Jesus is not around. So they get in the boats, and they head over to Capernaum themselves. And thus is where we're going to start the conversation that we're going to look at here, starting in verse 25. This is a little bit of a lengthy passage, so have your, have your eyes focused on your Bible. And we're going to read through this, starting in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do, we, do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. But Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then, he said, then they, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am that bread. I am the bread. Oh, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. He's referring to himself. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. 
He has seen the Father. And truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the bread of life. Bread is mentioned in this portion I just read six different times. If you look in verse 32, 33, 35, 41, 48, and then in verse 51 that I, I did not read. So being mentioned that often in Scripture must mean what? This is important. you got to pay attention to this. This is something I want to communicate because this is an essential to who I am. I am the bread. So let's dive in and see where the Word of God's going to take us today. God put into each one of us, God put into each human being and animals a natural desire to eat. Am I right? You can't go too long and then you get hungry. If we didn't have that desire, if we didn't eat, we would die. Right? But throughout the day, there's a trigger that, that, that sets into our stomach and in our brain that says, eat something. You got to eat something. God put that there. If you have ever, if you've had a baby or you've been around babies, this is a, a really interesting because babies can't talk. They can't tell you what they want, but they'll start screaming and hollering if they're hungry or, or wet or something's wrong with them. They start screaming and hollering. Something triggers inside them that says, I need something. And they're going to cry until they get what they need or want. Our spiritual lives are the same. Within each one of us, there is a, a desire for a relationship with God. It's that, that God-shaped hole that people talk about. Most of the world doesn't even know what it, that's all about. They've never thought, they, they can't understand what it is that, that they're longing for. So they try to fill that void by acquiring things, buying things, experiencing exciting events, new vacations, you know, getting, uh, going to a sporting event, or by finding someone or something that they can build a relationship around be it drugs sex alcohol uh, just having a girlfriend having having uh, a, a friend that you can associate with but inevitably that brings us leads us to disappointment because things and people are going to let us down i just got a new phone not too long ago in february i got a new phone but in our plan, I could only get the turbo. I couldn't get the turbo too. Because it would have cost, I would have had to pay full price for it and, and, I, and it wasn't in the budget. So I had to settle for the turbo. And my heart is like that. I'm not satisfied with things because I want the bigger. I, want, I don't want the bigger. I want the better one. I want one that I don't have to do anything but talk to it and it'll call, it'll dial. I don't have to plug anything in. I just set it down on this thing and it'll charge itself. I don't have to do anything. That's what I want. But I don't, I, I'm disappointed because my phone malfunctions at times. People disappoint me. I, I, I have confidence in someone and they let me down. Or they lie to me. 
or something like that. So trying to find our satisfaction, that, that vacuum in our heart, anywhere else but in the Lord is going to bring disappointment. Having a great relationship with your, with your, your wife or your husband or with your children, it doesn't cut it. There's still an emptiness there because they let you down. So but what our study today, I, I trust that as we get into this, we'll understand and desire to be satisfied by the one and only person, the Godhead, who can truly satisfy us. I see this in counseling a lot, that if only my wife would do like this, if only my husband would change this, then we would have a perfect marriage. No, it doesn't work. You're, find, you're trying to find your satisfaction, your contentment in the other person. Trying to get them to conform to what you think instead of you conforming to how God wants you and then together growing in that way. So this is the gospel. This is included in the gospel. Not just our salvation that we have on that day of salvation, but this is the gospel that we find our satisfaction, our contentment of our deepest longings, and to bring that satisfaction throughout our Christian life. So let's look at that word bread. The word bread is found throughout the entire Bible, hundreds of times. And the first time it's used is in Genesis 3.19. This is after Adam and Eve have, had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God came down. He cursed the serpent, told him he's going to have to slither on his belly and eat dust for his life. He told Eve that because she did this, that there was going to be pain in childbirth and there was going to be strife in marriage. Then to Adam, the ground was cursed. Thorns and thistles would grow and people would have to work hard to provide for themselves. Here's what he said in chapter 3, verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till, the, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So he said, he's bringing this out, that you're going to have to struggle to eat bread. Well, what is that? I looked up that word bread because they didn't have ovens back then, or how would they bake bread back then? They, they, they didn't even have clothes. And what goes on? If you look in the Hebrew word, it's more than just bread. The word means food either for man or beast, fruit, loaf, and meat, and even vittles. It comes across that way, the things that you eat on a daily, the meals that you have together. That's important for us to remember because that's going to be significant in, in where we go with this, this, this thing. If, and I, I thought to myself, bread, when I think of bread, I think of giant or Wegmans or Shop right or someplace, even Wawa has loaves of bread, and you can go in there and buy it, bring it home, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's what I think of. But in the Old Testament, that's not what they thought about. They thought bread, they would think food, sustenance that we need to live. So I went over the New Testament, and I says, okay, what does it mean in the New Testament? And it means bread or loaf and nothing more. That's it. So you look at the New Testament, well, so was Jesus talking here that he was the bread, that loaf that goes with peanut butter and jelly, or with a meat sandwich, or with your hoagie, 
was that the bread he was talking about or was he talking about that life sustenance in, in the Old Testament, that, that overall thing that brings us satisfaction and fills our, our stomach and, and brings us satisfaction. Now, if you've ever studied culture, this is the thing, living in, in different countries and visiting other countries, every country, every culture has one food that if they don't eat it, they, they feel hungry. They have to have it. For example, in, in Thailand where we lived with the Red Karen people, they had to have rice. Otherwise, they would go hungry. In this, uh, for example, uh, one evening, I invited three of my friends over. They had never had pizza, and they loved my wife's homemade brownies. They loved them. And we, we had hot chocolate that we would eat. So I invited these three guys over there. We had pizza. They took one bite of it, and they... Ooh, they peeled off the cheese on the top. They couldn't stand cheese. It was gross to them. They peeled that off. They ate the rest. It was pretty good. They said, yeah, this is pretty tasty. I like this. They took the pepperoni and put it back on, but they would not eat the cheese. Then we sat down for dessert. We had our brownies and hot chocolate. We played some Uno. That was a game we taught them. They loved that game. And, uh, and we were sitting around talking, and one of the guys... I overheard him say to his friend, he said, man, I'm hungry. And I looked at him, I said, why are you hungry? We had a lot of food. He said, because I didn't have any rice with my pizza. That was it. He did not have rice. If he could have probably piled a bunch of rice up there and, and ate it, he would have been happy. But they didn't have it. In other cultures, you have to have flatbread to dip in your food and, and use it as a spoon, a pusher, whatever it is. You have to have flatbread. We had one of our friends uh, in, go to Thailand at about the same time we did. He was so happy the day that the committee asked him to move to New Guinea because he was a meat and potato guy. He hated rice. And for him, he was hungry all the time because they only had one kind of potato out there in Thailand. But in New Guinea, meat and potatoes is their main thing. They have tons of varieties of sweet potatoes and potatoes and roots and things that, and he was excited about that. So every, everybody has something that they need to fall back on in order to feel content and, and satisfied. So to understand the meaning of what Jesus was saying here, that he is the bread of life, we look, need to look back into the Old Testament. Now you remember last week, Pastor Tim explained that I am referred to God's covenantal name, Yahweh, Lord. Speaking of his self-sufficiency and, and being the self-existent one, he doesn't need anything in order to be satisfied. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need food. He doesn't need air. He doesn't need light. He is the self-existent one. He doesn't need anything. But we, on the other hand, in order to exist physically, we need food and water. We need sunlight. We need a place to live. If we didn't have clothing and we were outside in the wintertime, we would freeze to death. So these are things that we, we are not self-existent. If we look at verse 30 to 34, we see that this self-existent one was providing for his children. In verse 30, it starts out, so he said to them, then what sign do you do? That, that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? They asked him there. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So God was providing for them. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. So what was sustaining the children of Israel those 40 years that they were wandering around the wilderness? It was the manna from heaven, that bread from heaven that would come down Every morning they would wake up and go out to the fields and gather enough of the manna for that day. And on Friday they would gather enough for two days because on the Sabbath it did, not, it did not fall. So they're out there gathering this stuff. What happened if they tried to gather too much and they wanted to save it for tomorrow so they could be lazy and not go out to get it? It would rot. It would, it, it would be maggot infested by the next morning or whatever. I can't remember exactly, but it would, it would not last so he was sustaining them on a daily basis, their physical, their physical needs. And each morning they would go out and gather this. Now, their God was, was the supplying their physical needs each and every day. And this manna was a picture of Christ. Because Christ is, is, is a, it's a, it's a type or a picture of Christ that he is the one who comes and satisfies us in our daily needs. We can't get enough. We can't get too much. We can never get too much of Christ. What happens if someone is, sits in church, sits in church, and they're getting fed, they're getting fed all the time, and they never share that with other people? They get spiritually fat, and they become worthless. So God's saying, yeah, I'm feeding you so that you can go out and do the job that I've asked you to do. So that's a side point. But anyways... He is giving the manna to supply their physical nourishment to the children of Israel, so Jesus provides the eternal nourishment and sustaining strength that we need every day in our life. He is that, he is that bread. And there is a hum. Going on in verse 35, Jesus is trying to move the conversation. He's taking the conversation from the physical need that they have into the eternal eternal environment so let's look at what he's saying here he's moving to the eternal our physical bodies will always need food in order to live but he's speaking about our desire that we have for a relationship acceptance and love that is eternal yet it's present today and and we desire something that will help us to get by day by day by day that will bring satisfaction he says, in verse 35, he says, Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is cool. What is it that, that it keeps people going after 40 years of, of ministry, of being a Christian for, for 50 years? What sustains that? What keeps them going and, and not just saying, forget this, I, I don't, I'm not going to go with this anymore? It's when we get to the point, the rack, that we realize where our sustenance is coming from, where our sustaining power is found. Um, all right, thank you. It's when we get to that point where, where our, our, our purpose for living is not consumed in what I am doing, what I'm getting, what I am, but it's found in Christ because our situation changes, and it's going to change drastically soon 
when our election takes place, when, when things, our, our, our country is going down. It's going down fast. So what's going to happen? If you name the name of Jesus, what's going ha- to happen? How are you going to sustain yourself through that time spiritually? It's by relying on him. It's by accepting his, him as the bread of life, the one that gives us that sustaining power and authority that we need to live. In verse 37 to 40, let's look at that. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. There's a promise that we can stand by. When we come to the Lord, he's never going to cast us out. He accepts us as we are. And then we go from there. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should never, that I, I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise, him, raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What is it that, that hinders us from truly accepting God's love? Is it that we might not do it right, we might fail, or that we're afraid of what our, our friends might say, or we're, uh, you know, we're, we, we can't live up to the standard, so why even try? Because we have these preconceived ideas of what, what God accepts and doesn't accept, instead of growing in our faith a little at a time, and allowing him to mature you, and allowing him to guide you. These things are, are hindering us so often, our fears of, of failure, fear of other people, the fear that we can't live up. But God is saying, I will not, never cast you out. I've come down. I'm doing my Father's will, and you are going to be accepted. You are accepted in me. We sing a song often that really brings this, this point across. It's called your great name. It goes like this. The lost are saved, find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned feel no shame at the sound of your great name. Every fear has no place at the sound of your great name. The enemy has to flee at the sound of your great name. Verse 2 goes on and says, all the weak find their strength at the sound of your great name. Hungry souls receive grace at the sound of your great name. The fatherless find their rest at the sound of your great name. The sick are healed, the dead are raised at the sound of your great name. This is what God is. This is our our bread of life. This is the I am. He is the one who can bring these to pass. So, I want to bring this, this is my outline here. Now I'm starting my sermon with 10 minutes left. Five points I want to make. These are quick. You have them in your notes there. By equating himself, number one, by equating himself as the bread of life, Jesus is saying that he is the only one who can truly satisfy Did you hear that? By equating himself as the bread of life, the the sustaining 
food elements of our spiritual life, Jesus is saying that he is the only one who can truly satisfy the essential needs of our daily spiritual life. Not just the perceived ones that we think we have, because sometimes what we think we need is not what we actually need. Okay, for example, I need my son to pass this test. God, help him to pass this test. I know he hasn't studied. I know that he's been um, sleeping in class, but help him. No, that's the wrong prayer, isn't it? Help him to fail that so he learns that, that, that he cannot just get by. Well, help him to fail, but, uh, but anyways, you know what I'm saying. And we do that in, our, in ourselves. We do that all the time when, when we are asking God for something that really, it might not be in his will. For example, uh, when, our, when our oldest son was just a, a baby, we were in college, and, and we would put him in one of these jumper things and, and mount it on the door. And we'd have our door to our dorm open all the time, and, and, and Timmy would be sitting there bouncing up and down. He was this fat little thing. He had more rolls than, than Easton Bakery. And, uh, and people would come by and pinch his cheeks and all this stuff. Well, our, our, the, the couple in the, in the room right next to us, in the dorm next to us, they said, I want to have a son just like yours. They were praying about that. Their child was born mentally challenged, Down syndrome. See, they were praying for God's will to be done, but that was their mindset was they wanted the perfect son. Well, our son is not perfect. Don't get me wrong. He is not perfect. But, but he, he looked, his form was there. And then they get a, 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 a son that's born with Down syndrome. Was God angry with them? No. God blessed them with this child. It became a joy to them, this child did. And they served the Lord faithfully until he passed away. And, and, and this, is, this is what he's talking about. What we see as our perceived needs is not always how God sees our best interest. Maybe I'm praying that I won't get sick. Well, maybe God brings a sickness in your life because he wants to use you in somebody else's life to minister to somebody. Maybe you lose your job. The things that we pray for, as God is that spiritual sustaining power, we, we go through these things because we have a power and a strength far and above our own. That we can't, we don't, people look at us and they say, how can you be going through this and have joy? You seem to never crumble under this. And I said, it's, it's the Lord, is the sustaining power. He is that bread of life, the only one who can bring true satisfaction. Number two. The life Jesus is talking about is not physical, but it's eternal. Jesus was trying to get us to stop focusing on the physical realm, the physical things around us that we think we need, and to move us into the, the spiritual, into the eternal realm. In this portion of scripture that we, we're looking at today, is, is it, he is the one who is the one who provides that he provides them food. But now he's wanting them to understand that he wants to give them that complete satisfaction, that life as they accept him and come to him, that they'll never uh, be hungry and thirsting again for anything that is not from him. Number three, when he used I am, 
he was making a statement concerning his deity, basically claiming to be God the Son sent from heaven by God the Father. This is, this is huge. To claim that, that I am. He's saying, I'm, I am God. I am God sent from God in heaven. That was a huge claim for him. Number four is, is notice the words come and believe. This is an invitation for those listening to place their faith in Jesus. Now, if you study the book of John, if you've gone through the book of John, you'll notice several times that this invitation is given. Come and believe throughout the whole book. And he's calling the people to follow him and, and, and allow him to do that. And finally, the last thing he, he mentions here is the, those two words, hunger and thirst. We looked at this today and, and Jesus is not talking about alleviating physical hunger and thirst or physical pain and suffering or, or, you know, all these things. But he's talking about the eternal hunger and spiritual thirst that we have in our lives. This is brought out in, in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You hear that, what Jesus is saying on the Sermon on the Mount? If you hunger and thirst for a new car, you're probably going to get it. But it's not going to satisfy you. If you hunger and thirst for, for more money on your job, you may get it. But it's not going to satisfy you. You may hunger and thirst for the turbo too. But it's not going to satisfy you. They're coming out with a new one that catches fire in your purse. <laughs> I like that, yeah. But he says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the key. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We will be satisfied. That's what he says. It's as plain as that. It's nothing more, nothing less. God, I desire to be righteous in your sight. I desire to live a life that is full of integrity and righteousness. And so that others can see that. He'll give it to you. When Jesus says to those to come... To him, you'll never thirst, and those who believe in him will never thirst. He's saying that he will satisfy our hunger and thirst to be made righteous in God. So, whether you're young or old, we all must believe these words that Jesus says. That if we come to him, we will be fully satisfied and we will have our need for love, for a love relationship met, and find significance in, in, in being blessed by the best, as I hear people say. Trying to find it in any other form is going to be disappointing, you're going to be dissatisfied, and you're going to be discontent in your life. You're going to be wondering, why isn't God answering my prayers? Because you're seeking stuff seeking relationships with other things besides the righteous one. So my challenge to you today is to, um, to pursue hard after Christ and don't allow him, and, and allow him to bring that complete satisfaction into your life. Let me read that again. Is to pursue hard after Christ and allow him to bring complete satisfaction into our lives. So if you're here today, 
and, and you're struggling in, in a relationship with a spouse or with something with your children or your job or, or things like this, we have to ask the question, where is my satisfaction coming from? Is it from my job or is it from my relationship with Christ? Things are tough. Things are going to be tough. And, and, I, and I don't want somebody to leave here tonight saying, well, you've got, it all. You've got a nice wife that loves you and, and, and she obeys everything you say and all this stuff. That's not true. But, um, you know, you got it all together. I said, no. We have had many struggles. We've had troubles with our children. We've had financial troubles. We've had times that, that I've had cancer twice, skin cancer, but it, I've had it twice, and I thought, that could spread. That could come some, go someplace else. And, and, and things like that. that. It's not a guarantee that everything is going to be hunky-dory in our physical life, but it does mean that I can go through that with the confidence that his, he is the bread of life to me, that complete satisfaction that I can live it, and you can live it also. Amen? Amen. Amen.